When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Tuesday night football, Thursday night football injuries. It might affect the week 16. We are in the mood for fantasy football. We are Pro Football Network. I'm your host, BJ Riddell, PFM's fantasy football director. With me as always, PFM fantasy analyst, Tommy Garrett. And Jason Katz, better known as Katz. Uh, we're going to start right off, Tommy and Katz, with Tuesday Night Football. We're coming to you live at 4 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday. There are two games tonight. Uh, one of the biggest questions we've been seeing in social media that you all have been asking us, uh, Daryl Henderson or Sonny Michelle, it's been a question now uh, for most of the week. Uh, what are your thoughts, uh, Tommy or Katz? Is there one way you're leaning? Well, Jordan Rodriguez, the most reliable beat reporter, one of the most reliable beat reporters in the country, said that when she spoke to head coach Sean McVay about it, Sony Michelle should still be the lead. Michelle had, has had 44 carries for 210 yards over the past two games. Uh, he had a 100% snap share last week, 97% the week before. I don't see Henderson returning to anything more than a 60% role, but a, a really poignant quote here from a beat reporter, Lindsay Theory. Uh, on if Daryl Henderson will start against the Seahawks. Sean McVay said, we'll use them both. Sony has done a great job these last couple weeks. We know how reliable Daryl is. So both those guys, if they're both up and available, we'll utilize both those guys. As far as the starter, who gets more, it'll be a feel for the flow of the game. So what we're seeing here is hot hand approach. We have no idea. Uh, that was a really long-winded say of saying, they're both going to see work. Uh, yeah. I think for me, I'm going to lean Sonny Michelle because I think he's done enough over these past couple weeks. Um, he had that 24 carry for 121 in the touchdown score a couple weeks ago and then backed it up with uh, 20 for 79. He's got that type of workload where we, I think he's probably earned this kind of role because, I mean, they made that season trade, that uh, early season trade for him after losing Cam Akers due to his Achilles injury. So I think they've always kind of had a role in mind. And right now is the time where you want to use him, where you're trying to extend Darrell Henderson, or in this case, probably ease him back into the workflow. You're probably going to see a committee approach. It's going to be way more annoying than we were hoping for. Um, we would have loved to just be a, you know, a single backfield committee as you know, we always do in fantasy. So it's, I think you're going to see both guys out there. I give the edge towards, uh, Sony Michelle, but I mean, the return of Henderson's only just dropping his own floor. Um, great points. And, uh, I'll add that, uh, uh, for the DFS lineup that pro football network puts out tonight, um, we've got, uh, Sonny Michelle in and Daryl Henderson, not in, uh, so that's, uh, uh, the way we're leaning on that, or I'll speak for myself, the way I'm leaning on that, it seems like we're unanimous. Keep in mind also the Rams, one would have to think, uh, that the Rams have this game pretty well locked up. 
Nothing is guaranteed. I would be surprised if the Rams lose by, you know, win by less than 10 points. Uh, the Seahawks are susceptible to the run and the pass. Um, and, uh, and the Rams are firing on all cylinders. So if we are to assume that the Rams are going to win relatively comfortably, it is easy to see in the second half, Henderson and Michelle both get enough touches uh, where they could both get double-digit points. And I think that's the, one of the big takeaways. The Lions just took the Cardinals behind the woodshed. I, I refuse say the same to thing. say anything is actually going to happen. Uh, especially this, well, this, actually, no, like, this is actually yeah. a good team. Like the, the Seattle Seahawks actually have, you know, they have good players. So I'm like, if after watching what these what the uh the Lions just did, there's no way I'm sitting here and speaking with any absolutes. Uh, that's fine. Uh, we have to deal in probabilities. The Seahawks are giving up on the season the second most points to fantasy backfields uh, of all 32 teams. If we go based on statistics and we try to project out of what's likely to happen, the likelihood is that the Rams backfield will win the day and that uh, Rashad Penny will not. Uh, but to your points, nothing is guaranteed. Absolutely right. And we're all making bets as we go speaking of rashad penny what a perfect segue thank you very much rashad penny how much do we trust him i think he's going to be the third best fantasy back in this game uh cats tommy what do you think about rashad penny is he at this point people are starting whoever they can start it's tuesday it's the end of You're week 15 in. but but just if someone's down 12 points and they've got rashad penny set their hopes high or or do you want to dash their hopes right now I'm I'm with you on that. Uh, I don't know if he'll be the third best back. This is just an average matchup. My my concern is, like you said, the most likely scenario in this game, despite the fact that we have no idea what will happen in the NFL, is that the Rams they, they do win the game. And if the Seahawks fall behind, it's possible they won't use Rashad Penny in that role. I mean, last week he had the game of his career with 137 yards and two touchdowns on 16 carries. But in that game, just one target. He only has two targets on the season. Now, granted, he's only played in six games, but he's never really been heavily used in the passing game. So if Seattle falls behind, I think there's a chance that Penny could disappoint. The thing that's worth noting is right when we were going live, Tom Pelissero of NFL Network reported the uh, Seattle Seahawks are not activating anyone off the COVID list. So that means Tyra Lockett. That also means Alex Collins, who will also be on this game. So you're going to see Rashad Penny get a little more run in this backfield because he's going to have it primarily to himself. Uh, he could have a decent game, but I still feel like we're all going to lean towards the you know, the Ram side of this equation, which is looking at the, the two different teams. Uh, Penny, like I said, you're locked in if you got him. Um, he's going to probably come in that low or low end RB2 range. But at this point, he might end up having a better week given how low the scoring has been. So it wouldn't surprise me if we get a better game out of him. Maybe we're expecting, but it certainly won't be anything like we saw last week. And to Katz's point, uh, Penny in his career, he hasn't started many games, but mm -hmm. um, he's had eight plus carries 12 times, uh, mm -hmm. but he's had uh, more than two receptions only three times in his career. This is not mm -hmm. someone uh, we could see DJ Dallas, uh, for example, come in and do some passing game role and actually Dallas and PPR could give Penny a run for his money if Penny's not getting any goal line looks. So I, I think Penny is a trap play, unfortunately, for those who've been waiting all week. Uh, I think the Rams defense will come prepared. I think they're going to uh, uh, force Wilson to throw. Um, and uh, and I think the Rams are just going to put this game out of reach. But again, as Clinic Cap said, any given Tuesday, this could be a 40-3 to Seahawks demolish in if I can use a gerund in that. 
Um, uh, Matthew Kanata in the mood. Thank you, uh, Matthew and Moody Masker 18. Too bad Kirk Cousins couldn't have the game of his career for me in my league last night. Well, Moody Masker 18, I disagree. I think, uh, I think it was very fortunate because I played against Kirk Cousins, uh, and I needed him to bomb. So, uh, I'm glad that to have found my uh, doppelganger or my opposite, uh, in fantasy. Uh, moving on, Eagles tonight. Which of the four running backs can we trust in the backfield? And I keep having this, this lingering uh, uh, idea in my head. Oh, my gosh. Is Kenneth Gainwell going to crush fantasy hopes tonight? Is he somehow going to be the magical spark for this offense? And uh, I want to know, what, does that worry you all? Or is it Miles Sanders, the complete back, uh, Jordan Howard maybe near the goal line, and that's about it? What are your thoughts? I'll go ahead and say, because I know Cats will go on a tangent on this one. So I'll lean Sanders on this one. He's coming off the best game of the season, 27 touches, 142 yards. Uh, the problem is he's never found the end zone yet this season, and that's really been holding him back along a couple injuries along the way and just the the inconsistencies of Nick, Nick Sirianni's play calling because it seemed like all of a sudden he established the running game when Sanders wasn't on the field. Um, so it all, a part of it comes down to as well, you know, Jalen Hurts coming off that ankle injury. I think the bye week at them at a very good time to allow this backfield to get healthier. Um, but if Sa if uh, Hurts is somewhat limited in, in terms of his mobility, you could see a little more, a few more rushes uh, going to the uh, the running back. So I think Miles Sanders probably gets the the uh, nod for me. But I mean, like you said, we could see Kenneth Gainwell be pretty good in this game. We know he has receiving ability. He was probably the best like pure receiver of his of his class in terms of running back position. Like going back to Memphis. You don't see running backs running uh, comeback routes and running a full X package uh, of route tree. You know, you only see guys, you know, for swings, Texas, you know, things like that, a little uh, out route. So it's, you know, this is a guy that they can bring in, work very heavily in the passing game. So I could see a bit of a committee approach no matter what. But if I'm going to give the lean to someone, it would be Miles Sanders this week. I'm completely with Tommy on this. Last week or two weeks ago before the bye, Miles Sanders had 27 opportunities. The only concern, like Tommy said, is no touchdowns. And with Jordan Howard back, I'm concerned that Howard is going to be the goal line back, which means Sanders will have to rip off a longer touchdown if he's going to score. Sanders' season high in fantasy points, I believe, was actually last week in the uh, 16 or 17 point range. Uh, I'd love to see him pop off for 25, 30 points. But the problem is um, he is on one of my fantasy teams and no players on any of my teams did anything this week. So if you need him tonight, I wish you the best of luck. I haven't had any. Uh, that's great. That's a, 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 I like the way you approach that, uh, Cats. And uh, everyone, Cats, will be posting his lineups every night uh, on Twitter. And you can just do the opposite. And that'll be the strategy. Uh, Pro football Where were Network, you 14 weeks ago when I needed to rechange my teams? Oh, no. Uh, messaging out. Uh, your pain is BJ's pleasure, Moody. So sorry to say that, Moody Masker 18. I know uh, you'll come back and strong in 2022. Uh, so do not doubt it. Um, uh, you know, I yeah, I, I just keep getting back to Gainwell. I'm very concerned about the narrative of this game is that the Eagles will um, handle the uh, uh, Garrett Gilbert at QB, which is looking likely now for Washington, if it's not definite. It's confirmed. Um, it's, it is it confirmed. Is. Thank you. Um, and, uh, you know, we're a live show We're we're getting this information as we go. I think it was, uh, confirmed an hour ago. And then, uh, if the Eagles have it in hand, you know, they want to see what they have in Gainwell. Gainwell had 17 touches two weeks ago, uh, uh, before, you know, the week 14 by this is still week 15. The last game he, they played, the Eagles played, he had 
17 touches. I don't think we can ignore Kenneth Gainwell. It is interesting that neither of you took the bait when I said, I, I just, I'm concerned about Kenneth I, Gainwell. I think he's going to be inactive tonight. I really do. You do? Yeah. Wow. I mean, the, the last time all four backs were healthy, Gainwell was inactive. Uh, if, if at best he'll be the RB3 uh, and, and he'll only see the field in the event of, uh, like you said, a, a blowout. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's how I feel about Kenneth Gainwell. I mean, I, I think right. he's a good player, but that's the way they've used him. And until I see them do something differently, I'm going to, I'm going to go with that. Cool. I will project that tonight they'll do something differently. I think Boston Scott will be inactive and I think Gainwell will get about 10 touches. And I think people tomorrow will be saying, Oh no, uh, Kenneth Gainwell, I got to pick him back up. Uh, but we will see what happens. Devonte Smith speaking of, Oh no, I got to pick him back up. Hopefully no one dropped him, but obviously uh, it's been challenging rostering Devonte Smith, such an amazing talent. Uh, but the, uh, uh, the Eagles are throwing it as little as any team uh, in the NFL. Gardner Minshew, I think, tried to change that last time. Uh, but Jalen Hurts, no injury designation. He's back. This will be a run-heavy offense in all likelihood. But I still believe Devontae Smith can be that number one. He can be that you know 14-plus point receiver that we've seen uh, several times this season, as well as a negative, you know, five points or less receiver. What do you see out of Devontae Smith? If you've if you're doing a DFS lineup. Are you rolling the dice on him, or is his floor too low for your comfort? I like Devonta Smith. I mean, we know he's a guy, like I said, he can absolutely be the number one. Uh, we saw the town going all the way back to Alabama. The Eagles knew what they were getting when they drafted him. It's, like I said, this comes down to volume. You don't have anyone else on this uh, on this offense that's really going to work as a pass catcher outside of Dallas Goddard. Uh, Jalen Rager has been a bust since they drafted him, you know, before uh, Justin Jefferson, which I'm sure Eagles fans are love hearing that being brought back up. So, I mean, I think he can have a good game. And you also look at the Washington secondary, like this defense is still being impacted by COVID. There's still several players that are out. And it's not the defense that we thought we were going to see coming into the 2021 season where they would have been, you know, they had the front seven that was already already the most dominant one in the NFL. And then they added to the secondary in the offseason. So it's we thought it was going to be, you know, one of the more impenetrable defenses. This hasn't been the case. I mean, if Jalen Hurts is, is feeling good tonight, then Devonta Smith could easily have a very good game tonight, especially in PPR scoring. Kathy, you feeling it with Smith, or do you feel like it's he's a fade if uh if you know between Terry, let's do this, Terry McLaurin or Devontae Smith, who do you uh who do you like more tonight? I, I would just stick with Terry McLaurin. I know that he obviously has not been great recently. Um, last week, he had the concussion after just three targets, no catches. Week before that, three catches, 22 yards, 451 the week before that. Uh, he had a big game in week 11, but then two duds before that. So it has, it has been a, a very, a mostly a down year with a couple ups for Terry McLaurin. His ceiling has been undoubtedly higher than Devonta Smith's. We've seen him put up 100-plus receiving yards four times, and in each of those games, he scored a touchdown. So when he smashes, he really smashes. So you're going to get that ceiling from Terry McLaurin. I know Garrett Gilbert's a third-string quarterback, but he's he's at least competent. Like I mean, typically, you see backup quarterbacks or third-string quarterbacks, they will lean on their primary receiver. Now, right. McLaurin may only catch four of his 12 targets, but if he gets 12 targets, we're going to take that. Devonta Smith just hasn't done enough recently for me to feel confident starting him, but he's also a talented player. So it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if he had a big game. It's just, it's not predictable. Yeah. Could you see Garrett Gilbert trying to target uh, someone like Antonio Gibson more? Yeah. Eagles yeah. have allowed the th six most receptions to running backs. So could this be a dump off game to him as well? Yes. I could. Uh, if if the football team uses Gibson in the passing game, which I think they should, because Gibson's a good yeah. receiver, then I can definitely see that happening. That that fed right into the other question, Tommy. It's almost like you could read my mind. Uh, Gibson, you know, with J.D. McKissick now on IR, 
Um, uh, the question for Gibson becomes if he fumbles again, that could be it. Um, he's had four, he's lost four fumbles this year. Um, uh, Washington's lost two of those games by a touchdown or less. Uh, I think, uh, there's a reason why he got phased out in the last game. I think there's some he didn't touch the ball after he fumbled in the third quarter. What's that? He didn't touch the ball again after he fumbled in the third quarter. There you go. So it's, there is a sense of, you know, what you're rolling with, uh, when you start Gibson tonight. Uh, I do think Gibson, though, will benefit from those dump-offs. I do think you'll see a situation where where Gibson is a good bet for five receptions, which is what you need out of, you know, if you want a top 24 running back, you get five receptions with a guy like Gibson, you're going to get those points. Um, but I we'll see about McLaurin. That's an interesting side bet, Cats. Uh, uh, Let's solidify it on Twitter, and we'll, uh, we'll see who has bragging rights later tonight, although I might uh, conk out at 10 p.m., so you'll have to tell me in the morning what happened. Um, Moving on now to uh, Thursday night football. Well, hang on a second. I don't want to jump the gun because I got some good stuff on Gibson for for the people here. But, uh, give it, um, give us some knowledge here. Okay. How close do you think this game is going to be? Because on this season, and specifically since week six, this is post the shit injury for Antonio Gibson. He has averaged eighteen point seven PPR points per game in wins, and six point one points per game in losses. Is that well, due to him being phased out in the receiving game? Yeah, is that with McKissick on the field? That is fair. That McKissick was not was active for almost all of those games, and it's definitely a factor that plays in. But but typically, what happens is Gibson's carry count is naturally lower when they're losing. In yeah. weeks 11, 12, and thirteen, games that they won 19, 29, and twenty three carries against the mm-hmm. Cowboys when they lost ten carries. Uh, week ten against Tampa when they won twenty four carries. Week eight against the Broncos they lost eight carries. It's it's been pretty consistent that the volume is less in games that they lose, and with running backs, we want that volume. So I, I, I mean, not that's not a specific sure. thing, just Antonio Gibson. That's just NFL schematics wise. When the game script all of a sudden goes into more pass heavy thing, like running back carries are going to drop. Of course, but I mean, I think that's going to affect Gibson tonight. Fair enough. I think I think it's going to be a blowout for the Eagles. I think we're going to see two blowouts tonight. Of course, as Tommy keeps reminding me, privately and publicly, anything can happen. And, uh, and so, but I, I do believe that the Eagles will have this one in hand. I do think that the game will be close enough and that, uh, Washington will want to shield Gilbert from being too aggressive early on that I think Gibson is going to get most of his points in the first half. So to your point, cats, uh, if, if this game is going to be as out of hand as I think it will be, um, Gibson needs to get his points in the first half to make the biggest impact. Um, uh, which raises the question whether, uh, was it John, uh, uh, Bates, John Bates, Washington uh, uh, tight end, whether he's going to get some love because uh, we see that sometimes we saw it with Tyler Huntley and Mark Andrews. Um, these are anecdotal. We I haven't run the numbers to see how likely a you know a backup quarterback making an initial start, what kind of uh, uh, targeting they do for their tight ends, and it depends on the quality of the tight end. Andrews made some catches that most tight ends cannot make, uh, being very candid, uh, but that doesn't mean that we won't see Gilbert. Uh, look to those quick six to 10 yard passes uh, where Bates might be a bigger weapon than he would uh, in other, if Heineke were a QB. Um, but let's, let's move on. Let's move on to Thursday night football. Um, we are coming at you live. If you have any comments, questions, uh, feel free to jump in. Uh, I'm going to get to a question in just a moment, but I want to jump right in with the Titans 49ers, AJ Brown, who I traded for, and then he immediately uh, got hurt, which happens. And I don't, blame it on you know some higher power and i don't blame it on aj brown i don't blame it on the person who traded me i i blame it on myself for not being able to predict the future and that's just the way i do things but aj brown returning from a chest injury 
uh, possibly playing Thursday. We don't yet know. I haven't seen the practice reports. And Julio Jones knocked out on Sunday with a hamstring injury. It's been a really tough season for Julio Jones and Ryan Tannehill in that whole passing game. What do we expect of A.J. Brown? If he's back Thursday, do you, you know, this is a COVID era. We don't know what's going to happen Sunday. We don't, we're going to get to COVID lists and, and, you know, the Chiefs and other stuff later in the program. But right now, do you go, I'm going A.J. Brown. I believe in his upside. I want to lock in points right now because I don't want to wait till Sunday. Well, you don't have to wait until Sunday because they play on Thursday night. That's what um, I mean. Like, do you, do you yeah. want to get those points out of the way early in the week instead of risking waiting and hoping your guys can play on Sunday? I mean, luckily enough, we're going to have an answer because it all comes down to whether they're not going to activate him off the IR. Um, he was able to go through today's walkthrough. Um, so it does, does give us a little bit of hope, but I mean, he's also, he's also passes 21, day, 21 day window. So if the, uh, Titans want to activate him, they absolutely can. Then we would have our answer. Um, if you get an activated, uh, AJ Brown, he's absolutely going to be in my lineup. Um, you lose Julio Jones who actually hasn't been doing too much at all anyway. Um, and this is the Titans offense that like they're, they're just trying to get to the postseason. Because they're going to be like the opposite of almost every other team in the NFL, where yeah. where everyone else is, is getting, you know, they're getting more and more injured. Titans are getting healthier. They're looking at getting back, um, you know, Derrick Henry. You're getting back AJ Brown here. So if you can get him back now, get him some time in this offense, get him fully back up to speed to when you need him in this playoff run. I think I think AJ Brown is going to be a pretty big contributor for the rest of this uh, postseason. Hopefully, gives Ryan Tanhill a little bit more value, who's been struggling here this entire season. After we thought he was going to be, you know, one of the best mid to late round quarterbacks, if you chose not to go uh, with one of the early options. So, I mean, if you get AJ Brown back, that's a massive boost to your fantasy team. Very good. I I I have him on my team, and I have to decide between him and Mike Williams in all likelihood. And I am honestly a little bit torn. I feel like the first game back uh, makes me nervous. Uh, but you've made me feel uh, better. Uh, Pro Football Network messaging us right here in the studio. Cole Beasley out 10 days for the Bills. So Gabriel Davis, who or I see Tommy COVID nod and smile in a, in a knowing way. Uh, he knows what this means. Gabriel Davis uh, uh, completely locked in now uh, as a must start if he wasn't already. Uh, 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 someone on our social media, I want to ask this question. This is about tonight. Uh, Mika Du uh, is the name. Uh, uh, Russell Wilson or Matthew Stafford? Basically, do you both, cats, Tommy, feel as bullish as I do about Stafford that he is the best quarterback tonight, hands down? Or is there a chance that Wilson uh, is just going to be throwing and throwing and running and running? And you know, Russell Wilson's been pretty, pretty good the last couple of weeks, and he was averaging, I think, 22 fantasy points his first four games before he got hurt in Week Five, like. We, we forget that Russell Wilson, he has been recovering. We all don't forget this, but he was recovering from a finger injury. He's been getting back on the mend. Is he back to being a QB1 to the point where you start him against the Rams, or do you just go Stafford, go all in? I think it's pretty easily for me, Stafford. Uh, Wilson, for me, came in, like I think, just outside actually my QB1. I think I had him around QB. I think I had him at QB13, which is rare. Like That's low for some with the quality of Russell Wilson. But what Matthew Stafford's been doing these past couple these past three weeks has been phenomenal. Three straight games over 280-plus uh, passing yards and three straight games with three or more touchdowns. With Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson, and uh, he also has Odell Beckham Jr. back for this game, even though he doesn't have Tyler Higby, uh, who's still on the COVID list. Like There's no reason to, to overthink this for me. It's going to be an easily Matthew Stafford. And uh, one question uh, that is not a question is actually a comment because I just looked at the end and there was no question mark, which is usually the first sign for me that it's not a question. Um, this is from Chris Williams. 
uh, who's been uh, active on the PFN fantasy page for years uh, on the Facebook page. And he wrote going into tomorrow, and this is last night, uh, uh, in one playoff with a 34 point lead and Stafford and Matt Gay still left to play for my opponent. Brady really throttled my team this week. Here goes nothing. And he actually didn't put a period or a question mark at the end. So I need to nudge Chris that he so needs to. He has 31, a 31 point lead, and the other guy has uh, Stafford, and Matt point Gay. Lead, Stafford and Gay. So what do you think? What are his odds right now that he's going to pull this out? I'm putting like it forty percent. I think it's forty percent. I think I think you need Henderson and 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 Michelle to get some goal line touchdowns, and Stafford is the game manager. That's kind of the the best approach that I can see. I don't That's like his not, odds personally. I mean, I had Brady in a couple of leagues, and I mean, he got me negative negative eight points in one of my leagues. Uh, well, so I mean, that, how, that how is that hurt. possible? Uh, what's the? Uh, is it throwing a, a, a an iPad it's, or whatever? It's it got is, some interesting some scoring points. in it. It's the uh, in Scott Fishbowl, so it's got some interesting scoring. Oh, okay. um, sure. But yeah, for me, I I feel honestly I would probably take Stafford and and the Matt Gay take the kicker. I think they'll actually probably clear those thirty one points. Unfortunately, so if he can, if there's still time, Chris, uh, trade those uh, thirty four points uh, for Stafford and Gay if that's allowed in your league. Um, Tommy Garrett is suggesting that you do that. Uh, back to Thursday night football. Uh, Dante Foreman. Uh, uh, I don't I don't need to bring this up, but I'm going to keep bringing it up, guys. We, we were all in that room together and I was pushing Dante Foreman. I'm, you know, you know, the drill, I'm going to keep bringing this up. Dante Foreman, right? He was going to lead this backfield. I know it pains you to admit it. I got this one. I don't always get them. You guys win a lot of the time. Is he the locked in starter on this team? Do you trust him in week 16? Is he going to help people win their league? Or is he still not quite that reliable starting running back? Is he going to be outside your top 24? going into this week i'm with you um I, I i like deontay foreman he has had double digit fantasy points in three consecutive games in two out of three of those games he has eclipsed 100 yards rushing the 49ers are an average matchup the only concern for foreman would be if the titans fell behind heavily and got blown out don't see that happening i think we'll get a game that is within one score for most of the contest which means foreman can get his 12 to 15 ish carries and he's got a good shot at another 70, 80 yards, maybe a catch. Uh, he should be another safe bet for about 10 to 12 fantasy points. Yeah. I mean, on a, from a, a touch basis, he was by far the number one, but he, he actually barely outsnapped Dontrell Hilliard. It was only 31 to 29, kind of going yeah. back to like when they need to pass the ball, Hilliard's coming on the field a little bit more than Dante, than a Dante Foreman is. But in terms of the pure volume and just touch count, it's going to be Dante Foreman's backfield. Uh, it's not going to find sledding as easy as it did against Pittsburgh Steelers who just continue to bleed running back yards uh, at an astonishing rate. I'm pretty sure Chuck Knoll somewhere is rolling over in his grave over this. Um, but yeah, I think he should have a good game against San Francisco 49ers. Like I said, as long as they keep this game close, you can keep Dante Foreman on the field. He should be just fine. I saw that same snap count, uh, Tommy, and it did concern me because I feel like Foreman is is still like as I, I tend to get excited about a player, and then once they reach a point, um, they kind of jump the shark for me a little bit when I feel like their actual value exceeds what I think their projected value is. Mm-hmm. Um, or excuse me, their actual value is is lower than their projected value. People think they're better than they really are. I think Foreman is one of those guys. He's still very TD dependent in a three-person backfield. There is still this risk. You can see him getting, you know, you, you don't see this with Dalvin Cook, who gets receptions, for example, uh, and is is more, you know, heavily utilized near the goal line. Dante Foreman, you get the sense of he could easily get 17 carries for 70 yards, and that's it, maybe a catch. 
Like that, that's not outside the realm of possibility. That's actually very likely. And that makes me more anxious than starting someone who's getting more receptions or someone in a higher powered offense. Um, I mean, on the season, think- your average carry for a running back is right around 0.54 fantasy points. Your average target is about 1.8. Like, so there's a massive wow. difference in like your, the, the scoring disparity between the two different opportunities. Excellent point, Tommy. Thanks for pulling that number out of your uh, hat. Um, your hat being your head or your computer, or maybe you have a computer for a head. I, I still haven't met you in person. Uh, 49ers, Elijah Mitchell. Um, uh, basically, it's going to be a game time decision, according to the GM, uh, which has everyone at Pro Football Network ripping out our hair. We're going, what do we do? We know what we do. We have to present scenarios, right? We're presenting scenarios. If Elijah Mitchell starts, what does that mean for Jeff Wilson? If he sits, what does it mean for Jeff Wilson? If he's, if he's there, but he's, he's limited or he's on a snap count, whoa, what do you do with him and with Jeff Wilson? Where do you all fall on the Elijah Mitchell spectrum? We talked about it a little bit yesterday, but I want to dig a little deeper because this is our last recording uh, until Thursday's game. I've gone on record as saying, I don't think this is Elijah Mitchell's backfield. I do think it's a hot hand. I do, I do think uh, that Jeff Wilson uh, is, is a very capable running back. He's getting his sea legs. Remember, he was out for almost a year. Um, so give the, you know, cut him some slack. Uh, I just, I would, I do not trust Elijah Mitchell, even if he's back this week on Thursday night football. What are your thoughts? Cats prove me wrong. Well, I, you know where I stand. I could not disagree more. If Elijah is back, it will be his backfield. Jeff Wilson will max out at, I don't know, two to four carries. If, 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 uh, if it's not a blowout, otherwise, um, it's going to be Jeff Wilson. And I, I don't think Mitchell's going to play this week. We don't know right now. I have not yet seen, based on the time of this recording, the 49ers practice report today. If either of you know what happened, let me know. But if Mitchell didn't play or didn't practice today, that would be two consecutive days. Didn't practice last week. This knee injury is clearly an ongoing issue. Uh, If Elijah Mitchell is out, we are going to see a similar Jeff Wilson workload. However, Titans, not the easiest of matchups. They allow the second fewest fantasy points to running backs. And prior to last week, Jeff Wilson couldn't do anything with all of his volume. He had no more than 6.8 PPR fantasy points before last week's game, which he destroyed a very soft Falcons run defense. A, a running back could always fall into the end zone, but it's tricky with Jeff Wilson because it's a Thursday and the volume will be there, but I don't think the efficiency will. So you're kind of hoping for a short touchdown if Elijah Mitchell is out. Yeah, I'm with it. If uh, if Elijah Mitchell is out, then it's obviously going to be the Jeff Wilson show, and you know he's he's been playing well. But like I said, it's going to be he's going to need that touchdown upside. It's like I said, I swung a miss on him. I admitted that in the other episode. Like I did not think he was going to have as good of a game as he did. I don't know how many people did see that good of a game coming either. Um, I think what's what's interesting to me is that we're not just seeing you know Jeff Wilson play only on early downs. We're also seeing him get third down work. So. I'd like to your actually to your point a little bit, BJ. If we do see Elijah Mitchell come back, while I do believe he would be the number one, we could see Jeff Wilson still working in there on third down. So I think he's still going to have volume regardless of whether Elijah Mitchell is back or not. But primarily, you're going to want this to be one backfield. And if Elijah Mitchell is out, then Jeff Wilson would be starting for him this week. Very good. And uh, to the point, uh, Cats, uh, Titans, you know, completely shut down Najee Harris uh, last week. The Steelers uh, shut down Najee Harris. Uh, yes, but it, even the pa- I mean, we saw I mean, uh, we saw a, a, a reduced role for him across the board, even in the receiving game. I mean, it was uh, it's been it, trending that way for a while, though. I mean, no, no question. The Tennessee Titans, they did a good job against my Pittsburgh Steelers had barely any offense, but they still won the game. But I mean, 
you we've been constantly watching Najee Harris's yeah. opportunities drop and drop and drop. So it's it's a schematic issue as much as it is going up against a, a good defense. It's an offensive line. It's an immobile quarterback for Pittsburgh. It's the fact. I mean, you know, his yards per carry is something like three point five or something like that on the season. I mean, he's he's a he's a glorified version of Miles Gaskin right now in terms of he's not able to run the ball, but his receptions are making him a must start. And that's Aaron Rodgers will fix all this next year for the Pittsburgh Steelers there. Well, that's uh, uh, wonderful. That's uh, uh, I don't know how to feel about that, but I'm sure we'll do a podcast on it. Uh, Finally, Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo. uh, Is he a top 14 quarterback against the Titans who as Katz has already mentioned brutal against the run, but because the Titans are not a great team, uh, they're not perfect. Their biggest flaw, arguably, on defense is in the passing side. They give up a lot of points in the passing side. Is Jimmy going to take advantage of that if the running game is shut down? And I'll go first. I Sorry, I thought, yes, I thought Katz he, was there. I, was, I, I normally give him a chance to go, but no, I mean, if, if you get him in a decent matchup, I think Jimmy Garoppolo could be like a higher in QB too. Uh, just given the, the the weapons that he has, George Kittle is playing some some of the best football of his career, which is shocking to say for someone like him. You've got Brandon Ayuk back in this team after he got out of uh, Kyle Shanahan's doghouse. You know, he's now getting active, had that game game winner the other week, and then you got Debo Samuel doing just what Debo, whatever Debo Samuel wants to do, whether it's in the running game, whether it's as a receiver. So, I mean, George, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has the best weapons probably of his career right now on this team. Uh, and so anytime you have a quarterback in this type of situation with a, a very quarterback-friendly coach and play-calling scheme, you throw in another question mark in the backfield, all of that sets up for we're going to rely on our quarterback. And, you know, despite how much the draft capital they spent on someone like Trey Lance, they're right now with Jimmy Garoppolo right now, and he's playing some decent football. Like, when called upon, he can put up some fancy numbers. Great. We'd like to see him, you know, kind of throw for more touchdowns. It is what it is. He's had two-plus in, in two of his last three games. So, you throw that in there, I think you've got, like, a, a mid- to high-end QB2 on your hands this week. We talked about this probably about a month ago or so, about any chance of Trey Lance taking over. And I remember saying that, no, there's just there's no way that Trey Lance would start this year absent an injury. It's Jimmy Garoppolo's job. They're contending for a playoff spot. They are actually they, – they're in the driver's seat for the sixth seed right now. They're going to make the playoffs. There's no chance to make a QB change. It is Jimmy Garoppolo's job. He has been the overall QB 13 or better in six of his last seven games. And the Titans allow the six most fantasy points to quarterbacks. They are a pass-funnel defense. I don't know if Kyle Shanahan will go away from his running game to try to exploit what the, where the Titans are weaker. I'd like to think he's smart enough to do that. And if he does, we could be looking at a really good week for Jimmy Garoppolo. In myself, because uh, uh, Tommy, you shared some uh, uh, humble pie earlier in this podcast about some player that uh, you didn't see. It was Jeff Wilson. There you go. Um, and I'll say the same thing. Well, I want to make Jimmy. sure I talk about my misses. So, I mean, I well, had to make sure I brought him up. Very, it's very nice. And I, I'm going to I'm gonna uh, uh, do you a solid on this, and I'm going to bring up my big miss. Uh, I've got many. Jimmy Garoppolo is one of them. Uh, I was pushing since the summer. Um, you know, this team is n- probably not a playoff team, uh, not in a, in a division that has the Rams, Seahawks, and Cardinals. Um, let Trey Lance be Trey Lance. Let him get acclimated to the NFL. And then in 2022, uh, the Niners will be competitive. Uh, and then I kept pushing it in September, October, even in early November, uh, really believing that Trey Lance was the answer uh, here and not appreciating the fact that if you look at some of the guys that Jimmy Garoppolo was throwing to in past years, you know, nothing against the guys he was throwing to. They're all NFL caliber, caliber players. They all deserve to be there. But they were not uh, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and, and a healthy George Kittle for most of that time. 
So, you know, he has, you know, one of the top threesomes of any receiving core in the NFL, maybe top six, I would say, arguably, especially with DeAndre Hopkins now out. And even before then, it was still easily a better than Arizona's. So what he's doing right now is he finally has talent around him that can make him into a good quarterback. He is leading the league in yards per pass attempt at 8.5. I mean, that is a big, big deal. And yards yards per catch, 12.6. Like, this is not the Jimmy G of, of uh, the last few years. This is the Jimmy G who uh, uh, Bill Belichick didn't want to give up uh, uh, back a few years ago. This is the guy who could be a franchise QB if given the confidence and the right surrounding talent. So um, big whiff uh, for me on that. Um, moving on, and we'll get to a question in a moment with our remaining time. We've got it, some Chiefs on COVID. Uh, Cass or Tommy, do you want to fill us in on, on what we know? What's the latest information about the Chiefs? How nervous should fantasy managers be? Because obviously this has a huge impact on many of the people who are in the semifinals or the quarterfinals or even the finals heading into week 16. It's brutal, uh, and we're expecting more names coming down the pipeline uh, once we get word about it. But, uh, I mean, Harrison Butker, their kicker, placed on the COVID list. Tyreek Hill placed on the last night um, or today. And then today was Travis Kelsey, one of the two. Either way, they're both on it. Uh, Blake Bell is on there as well. So, I mean, it's, we're expecting more names. So, it's it's right at this point, just sit around and wait and hope. Because uh, right now you're looking at Michael Harbin being the number one. And quite frankly, he wouldn't even be on this team if it wasn't for the allegations that Tyreek Hill had going into the draft they drafted him out of out of necessity at that point because thinking he could be like a 70 percent version he's never been anything more than a boomer bust player throughout his career so far with Kansas city you have him there you have byron prankle and all of a sudden this offense gets really scary um i mean obviously any week you would have you know patrick Mahomes, tyree kill travis kelsey they're all must starts top tw- top 10 in their uh, position uh normally top three in most cases at the low end so you remove those guys, and all of a sudden, this is get a lot scary. If you have like someone like a Travis, I have someone like a Patrick Mahomes, even like Clyde Edwards-Alaire. All of a sudden, I'm not worried about getting beat by two of the best at their position. I can now focus on the box. And at that point, okay, Patrick Mahomes, I understand you're good, but you're only as good as the guys are going to be catching that ball at the same time. So, yeah. I, it's you're really worried if you have anyone on the Kansas City Chiefs in terms of fantasy right now until things clear out. We got a glimpse of something like this on Sunday night when Tom Brady lost Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Leonard Fournette. He's throwing to Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller, uh, and I mean, I don't, and Cameron Brait. Yeah. He just Jalen Darden. There's only so much you can do, even if you are one of the best quarterbacks in the league or all time. At least Pat- he's getting Antonio Brown back, most likely. Yeah, he's getting AB back, but with Mahomes, if he's out there without Kelsey and without Tyreek. He's going to throw to Demarcus Robinson, McCall Hardman, and Byron Pringle. I'm sorry, but these guys are they, they are fringe NFL players. And as good as Mahomes is, he's going to see uh, – he, he, he's so heavily reliant on Tyreek and Kelsey, which is not to say that he's a product of his receivers or anything like that. Not at all. But those two guys account for such a massive portion of his targets. I am not sure how the Chiefs are expected to – to move the ball or run any semblance of their offense without those guys. Like Tommy said, they drafted Hardman to be this type of replacement, but you can't replace Tyreek Hill. He's, he's one of a kind. There's nobody like him. If he's not there, that offense doesn't function the same way. And I'm not sure what they're going to do, but if you have Tyreek or Kelsey and they don't play, I mean, I mean, I have Tyreek in almost every league, which is devastating. Uh, if you have Mahomes, it hurts him too. It's just, this is just an all around disastrous week 16, just like this disastrous week, week 15. It's really unfortunate. 
Um, we got a, a question about what to do about, uh, we talked about them uh, uh, a little bit uh, last week, uh, uh, yesterday's podcast, Adam Thielen. Uh, what happens if he can't go? Uh, is KJ Osborne, he's been a little hit or miss. Some of that may have just been situational. Um, we just haven't seen enough of KJ Osborne in the spotlight without Adam Thielen to know how much we can trust him. Is he someone that should be rostered in every league ahead of this week? Or is Osborne at this point, uh, has he lost some of the luster in fantasy uh, based on what your sense is of week 16 and where the other value plays are? I'm not out on KJ Osborne yet. You have to remember, this game that we saw uh, last night, it was just it was such a strange game because the... It was such a week 15 game. Like, it just fit with yes. the week. I mean, Tommy and I, we've talked about this. Matt Nagy is just, he's just like, he's the worst head coach in the league right now. With Urban Meyer gone, there's there's just no debate. Matt Nagy, oh. is atrocious. So what does Kirk Cousins do? He, he, he attempts a season low, 24 passes. He threw for 87 yards in a game that was never in doubt. The Bears went into the red zone, I think, or, or scoring position, I think four or five times and came away with zero points. Yeah. The Vikings didn't have to do anything. Yep. We we like to look at matchups and get favorable opponents and whatnot. Yes, the Bears were, of course, a favorable matchup. But more importantly is we want shootouts. When Kirk Cousins has to shoot out with an opponent, that's when he produces fantasy points. Next week, we look at the Rams and say, oh, the Rams aren't a great matchup. Yeah, I don't care because they're going to have to score points. That's all I care about. The Vikings will have to score points. Cousins will have to throw. And that that is what produces fantasy points. And that's what I'm looking forward to next week. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, uh, speaking of, uh, none of that, uh, Jamal Williams off the COVID list, Craig Reynolds, uh, uh, signed officially put on the active roster. Uh, the, the lions have an out with Williams after this season. If they want to, they pay him about 1.2 million, which is, I believe cheaper than his 2022. It is definitely cheaper than his 2022 contract. I know some fantasy managers are going to be wondering, what do we do in week 16? between Reynolds and Williams. Those who've picked up Reynolds, they've enjoyed Reynolds. Um, they want to keep riding with Reynolds. Uh, but Jamal Williams is looming. Is this another case of just a, you know, a split backfield no one wants to bother with? Or do you take my side of it and say, the Lions want to see what they have in Reynolds. They're incentivized to roll with him, especially if Jared Goff, who's on the COVID list, is not active and they've got Tim Boyle at quarterback. Uh, you know, they just want to see is Reynolds somebody who's going to be the new backup to DeAndre Swift in 2022. Can we dump Williams? What are your thoughts on that? It'll be a combination of Reynolds and probably Jamar Jefferson next year, be my guess. But I mean, I think if moving forward, once we get Jamal Williams back here, I think it's probably going to go back to being a split, kind of like we saw early in the season. And honestly, DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams both found success in this offense, both in their own ways. Um, Jamal Williams saw over 10 plus uh, carries in, I think, six of his games. Uh, six of his 10 games so far this season. So, I mean, I think you're probably going to see some volume. We know Dan Campbell, you know, like I said, he wants to bite the kneecaps. He wants to know, go for the heart of these teams. He's going to do that on the ground. Uh, for as good as a Monroe St. Brown has been, and he has been absolutely phenomenal over these past three weeks, the identity of this team and their success has come with that they've been able to establish on the ground. Um, so I think you're going to see Craig Reynolds and Jamal Williams both find success. Jamal Williams most likely uh, getting some uh, some additional work as a receiver, as he does also in between the tackles. Uh, I think they'll both be decent values in fantasy kind of moving forward. They get a little bit, they have a great matchup this week going up against the Atlanta Falcons. So, I mean, we would love to see him kind of duplicate the success. So I can see both running backs getting a decent workload and being, you know, pretty usable in fantasy, honestly. Five, one more question from uh, a Renee. Uh, and that question is uh, Rondell Moore. Uh, she had read that, uh, that he's 
he didn't practice because of an ankle injury. Mm -hmm. And so the question is, is Antoine Wesley a deep sleeper? Uh, she's in a 14-team league. Is he someone to pick up and roll the dice on uh, in week 16? Well, we, we kind of played this game a couple weeks ago when we talked about Antoine Wesley being a, a sneaky sleeper. And he actually had a little bit of a decent game this last week. I think the thing that surprised me was the eight targets that he saw. Um, you, you look at Rondo Moore's role, it's like, you know, we look at he has this crazy high reception percentage, which looks good on paper. Then you look, okay, he has a 2A dot. Like, he's literally getting targeted two yards down the field, which is less than the majority of running backs in leagues. So, like, yeah, I would I would hope you would get targeted in that kind of role. Like, he fit perfectly the Cliff Kingsbury-style offense. Someone you can get the ball, whether it be a quick little bubble screen, almost as an extension of the running play, uh, hit him on some quick slant, just get the ball in his hands in space because when he's wide open, he's one of the most electric players you're going to find in the NFL. We saw that back at Purdue. I mean, Hick, when he was in a freshman and completely beat Ohio State almost single-handedly that night. Uh, so we know what he can do. Antoine Wesley just kind of brings a bit of a different role in this one. Um it's going to be hard for me to trust him, especially moving forward. Like, I think you have enough options on this team, you know, with an AJ Green, with a Christian Kirk. You've got Zach Ertz as well. You've got both your running backs back. So, I mean, in a 14-team league, yeah, you'd have to be probably desperate to do it. But, I mean, you if that target volume is going to be there, then you hope in a PPR league can come down, you know, three to four receptions for 50 yards. That might be enough, but it all kind of comes down to your roster. Yeah. What struck me is he had an 85% snap share in the last game. And there's that question of is is did he overtake more in that game? And is he basically the new number three receiver, regardless of Moore's status? Yeah, um, I, I agree. I don't think he overtook more in that game. I think he's overtaken more for a while now. I am yeah. very worried that Rondell Moore is like Andy Isabella 2.0 in the sense that the Cardinals drafted him. They thought they had something, and for whatever reason, they just they just don't they don't like it. They don't like what they see, and they're just gonna gonna bury him the way they did Isabella. I'm, no, I'm very they're worried. not doing that to Rondo Moore. I just I think it's a different just it's a schematic thing. You throw that in, you throw in Kyler Murray also being hurt a couple games, the shakeups around this offense. I, they're going to find ways to get Rondo Moore involved, but you're gonna start teetering on the brink of where he is a better NFL player than a fantasy player. Mm. Well, that's a great uh, note to end on, both of you. I like where you both went with that and the whole. Uh, better on you know on the field than in fantasy and sometimes we just have to marvel at it uh, you know Devin Hester one of the greatest at his position didn't help a lot of fantasy teams unless you had the Bears uh, defense in those years uh, thanks again Tommy Garrett Jason Katz better known as Katz uh, for being here as always on the in the mood fantasy football podcast from pro football network I'm again BJ Rudell you can find us profootballnetwork.com uh, on the fantasy uh, site uh, there will be no podcast on Friday uh, because it's Christmas Eve and we imagine uh, that we will not be in the background as some of you are opening your presents early uh, or eating uh, your uh, uh, turkey dinner or tofurkey or just tofu dinner, whatever your preference might be. Um, we're having all three in our house. Uh, but we will see you next week, Monday, uh, when we'll have a lot to talk about with week 16. A lot of surprises, a lot of things that no one expected and some expected. And certainly we're all pulling for you. So reach out to us. Let us know who we should root for tonight. And we will absolutely do it. And we will see you after the weekend.